Hello, how you doing? Welcome to season two, episode 14 of Be Bougie, Be True, Be You. I'm Charlotte Jones. I hope you've had a lovely week this week and you're getting very, very excited for the football. Now, look, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a football person or a sports person in general. I'm really, really not. However, I do get excited when it's things to do with England. It's a little bit different to all like the different teams here, there and everywhere that I don't understand. But when it's England, the vibe, especially when we're doing well, it's just really nice to feel a part of something. And I'm going to be honest and say that I forgot it was the game this Saturday just gone. And a couple of friends and I, we went out for dinner and drinks and <laughs> we were sitting in the pub and we, we didn't notice. And then suddenly out of nowhere, we heard all the way and screaming. Then it stopped. Then it happened again and we were like, oh, okay, I think we missed something. But it was a really, really good game from what we heard from everyone around us in the pub. So I'm actually quite excited to see what happens next. Moving on to this week's episode, it was such an interesting conversation with Nikki Perfect. Nikki is a qualified coach and trainer who has over a decade of experience coaching executive level leaders, corporations and one-to-one clients in behaviour change. She is a trainer specialising in negotiation and communication after working as an international hostage and crisis negotiator for over a decade. For 31 years, Nikki worked for the Metropolitan Police Service where she served in a number of roles across London, including a special specialist public officer and an inspector on the armed response unit where she was the first female inspector externally recruited into this role in the UK and one of only seven women on a unit of over 450 personnel. Nikki speaks a lot in the episode about her experience and how it led her to working and training in communication and becoming a communication coach. It was really fascinating and one of my biggest takeaways was how when we try to communicate with anyone, especially in our personal relationships, we can't help but always look at it from our perspective. And we find it very, very hard to put ourselves in the shoes of the other person we're speaking to, especially if we're upset over something or it's any form of an emotional conversation. And the way that Nikki breaks it down and explains it, I really did learn a lot. Oh, and just one more thing before I start the episode, I just want to apologise because there are definite parts throughout this episode where you hear my lovely cat Louie going for a good old yelling session because in his old age, bless him, he is definitely getting, I think, greedier is probably the right word to use and is demanding food about 30 times a day. And that's no word of a lie. And the ironic thing is right before we started recording, Nikki said to me, I've got three dogs. I've shut them out. But just to warn you, you may hear them from time to time, but I have done my best to keep them away. And I said, you know what? Don't worry. I love animals. It's all cool here. But her three dogs behaved perfectly. And because I had my noise cancelling headphones on, I think I briefly heard him once and I thought, oh, that'll be fine. And then when I was listening through to edit, I thought, nope, I can really hear him. But anyway, let's start this week's episode. You're listening to Be Bougie, Be True, Be You with Charlotte Jones, the podcast to chat about a little bit of anything and everything. Welcome, Nikki Perfect. Hello, how are you? 
I'm very well, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me here today, Charlotte. It's a pleasure to be here. Not at all. I'm honestly so excited to speak to you because communication is something that particularly over the last two years or so I have become absolutely fascinated with and learning more and more about because it's something that I feel that we don't give much thought to, but it literally plays a crucial part in our life in, in everything that we do. So please could you tell us what made you want to become a communication coach? Yes, certainly. And I'm really pleased you said that about how it plays a, an important part in everything we do, because I think it's such an underestimated skill, personally. So is it OK if I just tell you a little bit about my background and how I ended up becoming who I am now? Does of course. Yeah. No, I'd love Great. to know. Thank you. So I was a Metropolitan Police Officer in London, in the UK, for just over 30 years. And the last decade of my policing career, I became a hostage and crisis negotiator. Now, I, like probably the majority of people, thought actually I'm a pretty good communicator and I think that I listen well. And then I went on this two-week incredibly intense course where my kind of whole world was turned upside down and I was put under the spotlight for that whole period of who I was, how I communicate and actually being shown a completely different way whereby the conversation was focused on the other person and not all about me. Because when we talk, we generally come at the perspective of our own lives and what we believe to be true. And as I sat in that course, I had one of those epiphany moments whereby I was like, this is everything I, I've ever wanted in my life. This is everything I've thought to be true. I became obsessed with human behavior and psychology and learning more about communication. And I also became obsessed with doing as many negotiations as I possibly could. There is a full time or there was a full time team consisting just of six people who are lucky enough to have that role in the UK. Most negotiators work part time. So you do it on top of your day job. And uh, yeah, I just became obsessed with the whole thing, really, and ended up getting onto that full time unit, becoming the UK director of hostage and crisis negotiation and then working with Her Majesty's government, sort of traveling around the world, teaching communication and negotiation, and also being involved in live incidents where British citizens were either kidnapped or at risk, and also in London. And then I left there in 2018, I retired from policing and set up my own business around negotiation and communication because I realized that the skills were exactly the same. Now, I'll just go off on a small tangent here because I had a conversation with my local garage and you'll hopefully you'll see how this fits into place but I had my car in for a service and I had a really chance conversation this is what I love about communication is the chance conversations that actually change your life I had a chance conversation down at my local garage with the lady whose dad owned it and we were just talking about a variety of different things I'd retrained as a personal trainer I was already a coach I knew that I wanted to talk about communication and help other people and uh, I ended up buying my local village carriage, converting the car showroom into a coffee shop, a gym, and keeping the workshop and creating a community hub. And um, people said to me, why did you do that? And it took me ages to really work out why I had. But when I was privileged enough to talk to people in crisis and sharing hundreds of conversations, was I found that there was three really strong threads that ran through all of that. One is that we all have a story. One is that we all have a crisis of some sort in our life at some stage. The other one was that loneliness is one of the biggest killers in the UK and subconsciously without really recognising it I created a community hub because I never wanted anyone to be lonely 
that's so lovely thank you and if people wanted a, a conversation and a chance just to be around other people then they could in a variety of different ways so yeah that's a little bit about me and uh, what I do and what I do now and and I have my own training and coaching company using those exact same skills because they work in every every relationship everyday relationship well you've got such an exciting background I didn't realize everything to do with the, the it sounds very intense with the hostage negotiation could you say a bit more about what it was you said when you went on that training course you sort of had everything turned upside down because you re- what was it that you realized what was it that turned things upside down for you so yeah I think that we generally go through life so as as kids we're always taught how to speak aren't we we're like the show and tell or being in the school play or standing or making the the class laugh you know we're we're always encouraged to sort of be performers and use communication in in a verbal way but we're never really taught how to listen so nobody sits us down and says you know there's like different ways that you listen to each other and most of the time we listen from our perspective did you know that your life is driven by your own value and belief system and that actually everything you believe to be true isn't true and did you know that if you really want to tune in with somebody and be present with someone you have to put all of those judgments that are going on in your own mind to one side and suddenly I was incredibly conscious of the way that I was communicating you know when you're put under the spotlight for two weeks and and assessed constantly and told actually what about this and did you think about this and and I was like wow no I'd never really thought about that in fact nobody had ever stopped me before and said hey Nick do you know when you say this it might come across this way or when you're talking about that, that's from your perspective. And have you thought about the other person's perspective? And so I, I learned a lot about myself, but I learned a lot about how we work as human beings. It is so true. It's definitely something that I noticed myself in the last couple of years. I, again, I thought I'm a good communicator because I'm very chatty. I talk all the time. But like you say, that's very much from my perspective. And when it comes to truly listening, I, there's always, there's a saying, isn't there? So many people listen to respond they don't listen to listen so you're already just getting your answer in your head which means in a way you're kind of being distracted from what they're saying because you're picking up on maybe one or or two bits there but you're not really just sitting back and fully taking in what somebody is trying to explain to you as a communication coach what issues do you see come up most often with your clients most of the time it's around listening but it's also around how we're very you know we're very emotional beings we respond if if we're in a coming from a perspective of an emotional perspective especially then we will say and do things that we wouldn't normally do and there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell called The Chimp Paradox and he talks about how the logical brain is sorry how the emotional brain is five times stronger than the logical brain and I kind of like looked at my own life now I know I'm a very emotional person and I have to press the big pause button and so for example if somebody is giving an opposite opinion of yours so you have a really strong belief and somebody is giving an opposite opinion to you it can feel like they're challenging you as a person and when we feel challenged we become a little bit emotional and we push back and we come from a place of fear rather than the place of listening and having a normal conversation does that make sense completely yes and I've actually read that book, The the Chimp Paradox. I read it a few years ago and it was really helpful because I read it at a time when I was going through a lot of anxiety and it was before I really understood what anxiety was and before I'd sort of come to terms with all of that. And it is so true about our emotional brain. And even when we become aware of that, it's still easy to slip into the habits of, of 
what we know, even when we think, ah, like say, I'm, I need to listen more. I've said it countless times. I need to make sure I'm listening more and I'm not talking as much. And then there are times I can remember it. But if I'm not being aware, I can slip back into getting chatty and not really paying attention with what's going on around me. Why do you think these issues are so common for us? Oh, that's a good question. And also, it's just popped into my head. It's not Malcolm Gladwell that wrote The Chimp Paradox. It's Professor Stevens. Sorry, so just... <laughs> yes, <laughs> Eddie, I've got it right. Funny enough, it's right yeah, next just, to me. Yeah, Professor Stephen Peters. Steve Peters. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I've got that's the name my... of that wrong, so, but yeah. Um, why do I think that? I think because... So, let me give you an example of my first ever negotiation because... I don't know about you, but sometimes when somebody tells you a story, I find it easier to relate to and easier to see what they're trying to tell me. Yes. So my first ever negotiation, so just picture the scene and come back in time with me a little bit. So I had been trained as a negotiator in December 2008, and I was incredibly excited about using my newfound skills. You know what it's like when you have a new set of skills and you're like, oh, God, I really want to implement them. I can't wait. Yeah. And I'm going to change the world with this amazing skill set that I've got. Now, communication is a skill set, I firmly believe. And the more you practice, the better you become. And it's like anything, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yes. So, so I was very excited when my phone rang very late at night, just as I was going to bed. And on the phone was the name Steve. Now, Steve was the guy who taught me how to be a negotiator. So I knew that this was going to be my first ever real life negotiation so you know you get that sweaty palms don't you that your heart starts to beat a little bit faster and you start to get a bit excited and you start to run things through in my head so so this is literally what was going through my head at the time was okay great i'm gonna get there it's gonna be like the a scene from the negotiator i'm gonna arrive newly trained negotiator we're gonna talk this this guy and i we're gonna have a chat a conversation he's going to listen to me i'm going to listen to him we're going to sort of talk about what's affecting each other and why this is wrong and not the right thing to do he's going to get out of the car he's going to shake me by the hand and the whole world is going to be brilliant and we're all going to live happily ever after now the story the backstory to this is that this gentleman had just been released from prison he'd gone round to the house of the mother of his baby and there'd been an alleged fight an assault and he had taken the child without permission there'd been a car chase and he was now surrounded by police officers and i uh, i arrived there with this story running in my head you know very excited to use these these skills anyway eight, eight hours later and he said two things to me one is you don't understand and the other one i'm not going to repeat on your podcast and afterwards i reflected on that i was probably there for about 10 hours all through the night wow and I reflected on that negotiation because I was incredibly disappointed. I was like, hang on a sec, what happened there? Why didn't that go the way I thought it was going to go? Having got all these new skills and I was going to save the world and change the world. And the more I learned about negotiation, the more I've learned about communication, the more I've learned about myself and human behavior in general, the more I realized that that whole conversation was about me. Right. It was just what I wanted. I'd not even stopped and thought for a second, hang on a sec, I'm a middle-aged white woman. I'm going to the deepest, darkest depths of South London. I'm talking to a guy who's just come out of prison. Uh, he will see me as probably one of those people that put him there. Why? What, what's going on? I just didn't look at the world from his perspective. It was all about me and these new skills and how great it was going to be. And when I reflect on other conversations that haven't gone well in my life, it's exactly exactly the same that i've come at those conversations from the perspective of what's in it for me 
This is all about me and what I want and what I believe to be true. And I think in general, because we're not taught this from a young age or even later on in life, I, you know, I didn't learn this until I was in my 40s. I wish somebody had sat down in my teens and told me all about this, but it made life a lot easier. So much. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just not, I just don't think we're taught about this. So we never, we never really stop and reflect on conversations or communication, especially where they're very emotionally driven. Yeah, well, I, I think, and maybe this is just me, but you know, I've had conversations with people before and they've become emotional. And then what happens is I rerun the conversation in my head but then I keep I keep thinking about all the things that I would have said, how I would have changed it, you know, how I've come back with a sharp reply or a witty reply. And then I get annoyed again because I didn't say those things. And actually, all you're doing is just thinking about the whole conversation from your very own perspective. It is so true. And I, I assume that is why there are so many, especially in, say, romantic relationships, why there are so many issues that arise because every time we go into any form of discussion, if it's a difference of opinion or of different beliefs, we're, we're automatically going in with ours and wanting to get our way first more often than not. So it automatically will butt heads. I mean, I I don't think that my ex-husband will mind me saying this, but the big the biggest issue through our relationship was I was very much an over-communicator mm-hmm. and he wouldn't communicate at all. So I would do exactly what you're saying. I would play out this conversation that I would want to have with him. And I would have probably had the same conversation as well. Like, 50 times and in my head this time I'll get the different response this time I'll get this kind of response because that's what I was needing and what I was wanting and he wouldn't really say anything and then like you said it, it would be like an emotional trigger so then you start trying to say different things that you wouldn't normally say because you're trying to get the response that you want you're trying to make something land and it never works that way every time we try and do it when we're also when we're purely thinking of our own perspective I feel that we don't necessarily gain the outcome that we would like. What would you say are our biggest influences over the way that we communicate with others? I would say that our values and beliefs are our biggest influences. Um, I've certainly learned that about myself, but now I realise that everything that drives what I do is based on what I believe to be true. And so having an open mind and an open heart and actually is and there's nothing wrong with that that's the other thing is there's nothing wrong with with believing what you believe absolutely you know we are we are human beings we have a set of beliefs and values that are instilled in us from you know we come out as a blank canvas and then we become the people we are because of what people tell us when we're being um, brought up so it depends where you live what country you live what region in the country what family what house in the street, you know, right down to the people that you mix with. And then you start to have your own experiences and you meet new people. And so they kind of change. Honestly, I think they drive everything we do. And it's only when you start to realise that your beliefs are making you communicate and behave in a specific way that you can start to recognise that, reflect on it and stop and go, hang on a sec is this really right is this just something i believe to be true and if it and if it is that's okay but what does the other person believe to be true because what's actually driving them and their motivator and their emotional um sequence how do you know what are their emotional triggers and i just think once we become more aware it just makes life a lot easier yes it's so hard to stay in self-awareness isn't it we can get it and we can have really good days with it but if we have a day where we're a bit flustered or overtired we didn't sleep well I feel that self-awareness can be one of the first things to go out the window I'd kind of touched on a minute ago I'll, I'll use myself as a personal example of two very different 
communication styles when it comes to romantic relationships. So for example, I was the over communicator. My husband didn't really communicate at all. What could couples in that dynamic do or in where where basically you just have two people, they communicate very, very differently, which makes it very hard to resolve any form of issues. What advice would you give them so that they can start to overcome that and be able to have better communication? I personally believe that you, um, <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're always looking to change other people. Yes. Does that make sense? And Completely. We yeah, we just can't change other people. We are who we are. And it's not, it, I kind of almost, it's almost, I, I almost feel it's like, it's not a role to try and change other people. So we either, we either accept the person for who they are or we don't accept them for who they are because we always have choice. And sometimes that's incredibly difficult to see. And when you're very emotionally, involved in something that's that's really hard to see because it you know you just can't see the wood through the trees or the path that's always been there but somebody else can see it but you can never see it when you're when you're caught up in it so i I would say honest conversations and they are the hardest ones to have they're the ones we should be having and they're the hardest ones to have and sometimes it's because we as you, as you say, you know, we we know what we want to happen in our heads, mm-hmm. but we haven't sat down and prepared for the conversation from the other perspective. So most of our life we're negotiating, you know, whether it's with your partner, with your kids, with your friends, with your family, with your with your team. We are, most of our days, even if it's over, you know, where do we go for dinner or whose turn is it to make dinner or if your parents are getting older and they start to talk about driving and you don't want them to drive, everything is through in life just a little negotiation so it's about it's about really listening to what the other person is saying to you and when we talk about listening we're all all good at superficially listening or passive Mm. listening you know where we kind of just nod in the right place and go oh yeah yeah mm, yeah okay uh uh-huh yeah and actually we've got a whole internal dialogue going on ourselves or we're worried about what's happening next or our phones are beeping vibrating in our pocket so i would say really listening and having honest conversations and those honest conversations are the foundation of relationships i was reading something the other day and it said something along the lines of it's not the distance that causes a relationship to break up it's the breakdown in communication that causes a relationship to break up i agree with that a thousand percent it is so so true if you can if you can't and i think a lot of honest communication comes from having to be honest with yourself as well because even if you feel for example you're being truthful about what you feel and what you want you're not being honest about what you know is coming from the other person because you're just wanting to hopefully let your honesty transpire onto them and they'll come back and say oh I agree with you or oh yeah I can but again we're we're looking at it solely from our perspective but I love what you said about everything is a negotiation I actually think you could have fun with that and rather than make every difficult conversation feel difficult and stressful and try and put it off and dread if you look at things as a more playful side if you could say we're negotiating with each other so you could start with something more light-hearted like going for dinner then if you could learn to do it in that way that means that when the bigger more difficult issues arise would you say that maybe you could use it in a, okay, so when, if we worked dinner out like this and we worked out where we were going to go on holiday like this, can we use those sorts of skills in this more difficult conversation to come to some sort of middle ground as well? Yeah, I think I think that's quite a good idea, actually, is to, to have fun with it. Because it is we make conversations more difficult by having them in our head without actually involving the other person. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 
Which, which always fascinates me how we do this. Um, I, and, you know, I'd love to sit here and tell you that I've nailed it every single day, but I really haven't. Uh, if you ask my partner and my daughter, who's 14, they'll go, oh, my God, no, Nick's incredibly emotional a lot of the time. <laughs> sometimes forgets all the self-awareness. So, yeah, you know, it's it, it's just sometimes it's something you have to work on. But I do, I do it with my 14-year-old, and I have done since. So she popped into my life when she was six, and I was in my early 40s. Now, any other um, step-parents that are listening in, if you have got to middle age and then suddenly a young person pops into your life, it's kind of a whirlwind thing that happens. You're, you know, you've got your routines and everything's suddenly turned on your head. And I always said I was a great parent. And then, um, then I had a child in my life and suddenly <laughs> I wasn't such a great parent. And, um, but I, from a very early age, I would always get her to negotiate with me. Really? And just, yeah, and just make it a bit of fun. So I would say if she wants, like we got a, a puppy last year. Um, and I remember her saying to me, I really want a dog, Nick. And I'm like, okay sell me the benefits what's in it for me what am I going to gain from you having a puppy and at first it was like I've got no idea what you're talking about it doesn't make any sense but the more we do it and the more fun we have with it the more it's like okay right so if we have a puppy um it will make me happy and I know you like me to be happy so there's there's number one you know just a bit of fun or if uh if we have a puppy it will make you it it will make you smile so it you know just a bit of fun but actually in that what's happening is she's looking at the world from somebody else's perspective so and doing it that way i love that and again look at if you could say look looking at the world from somebody else's perspective because again like you said where we aren't taught this it is a lesson that we do have to teach ourselves and i think sometimes we think oh i'm i'm happy with where i'm at but a lot of people if they're comfortable they don't like to take that next level to think and just just those small changes those small little affirmations or sayings that like you just said there I I really like that I'm going to stick with that about the looking at it automatically I think if we could get our brains to even if we're really upset with something but to get the most positive outcome from a conversation if you could automatically go but how are they feeling about this right now before you jump in with yours I think it would actually calm you down a little bit maybe would you say yeah I think and it's not it, it's that it, once that emotional brain kicks in, it's really difficult. Yeah. Really difficult. So we have to, somewhere along the lines, we have to either move away from it or change our perspective. Now, most of the time, we get caught up in the conversation and we and it just goes around in a big circle, especially if, if both people are in an emotional state. So generally what happens is one, one person will say, do you know what, I just need to walk away from this conversation and clear my head and get some perspective on it and it's on that reflection that that's when you're able to do to do that now i'll give you an example i i have um 11 people on my team in the businesses that i run and one of them was quite challenging to me the other day uh, but it was clearly a tip of the iceberg conversation and what i mean by that is that they built up the conversation in their head the issues that to me were quite small because i'm coming at it from a business owner's perspective were bigger for her because she was coming at it from a employee perspective and I I actually said to her halfway through the conversation right I'm just going to pause you there because it's starting to feel like a personal attack right I'm just I just need I can feel that my emotions are starting to come into play and I just want to stop there um, take a breath I'm going to reflect on what you've said and then we'll we'll carry on the conversation now it didn't take me long to have quite a quick reflection and we were able to put some of those things into perspective and look at it from both sides. But then it, again, later on, about 24 hours later, 
I was able to sit down and think to myself, okay, so what does she believe to be true? Why does she believe to be that to be true? And what part am I playing in that belief system? And then by doing that, I was able to go, actually, she has a point. She has a point because she's telling me this. There's a reason she's telling me this. There's a reason it's making her angry. So what can I do? What simple, what, one simple step can I take today to make that better? And I was able to, and it was just, it was communication. So she wasn't aware of what I was doing in the background. So I just sat down and said, this is what I'm actually doing in the background. She was like, I never knew that. And I was like, you're right. I should have told you. It just didn't even cross my mind that you would be interested in that. Right. That's really interesting. And again, what I kept getting in my head while you were speaking there is a quote that um, it was, a, I read it in a book and it says, nothing is personal. And I think it is so true that we so often forget that, for example, you like you were saying there, you didn't tell your colleague or your employee the full story because you didn't think she'd want to know so she's created a story based on not the full information and again so that's not personal on either end it's just a slight missing communication and automatically we assume it's about ourselves or we've done something or it's like you say in a personal attack but because you were able to stop the conversation before it, it escalated to that level but it but even when we know nothing's personal I think it's important to remember that is the science behind our brain that is how our brain will still work if we aren't able to recognize it quickly we will feel that it's a personal attack but nothing very very rarely is anything ever personal normally it would be whatever is going on maybe there's personal things at home that they're bringing into work there could be so many other factors which would affect the way that we're communicating something um but i i really like the way that you were able to turn that so quickly because i that's what i would like to learn more because i'm very similar to you in ways where you said like i'm quite I'm very emotional and very sensitive. So even though in my head I've got the best of intentions, it is very easy for me to take something personally and assume it's I could have done something different or I needed to. And But if I could just take myself away, so much of that probably wouldn't happen and so much of the drama and upset that follows with those sorts of communication, if I could pause it, it would make all the difference. Are there any communication styles that we may assume to be positive, but they may not work as well as we think they do? Hmm, that... That's an interesting question. Yeah, I think so. We are a nation of problem solvers. You only have to listen to any conversation. In fact, do it today. If people are listening today, start listening to other people's conversations. It's amazing what you learn. So we are a nation of problem solvers. And by that, I mean, we are very quick to give our advice to other people. And we yes. do it. We do it from a place of uh, of love and care. We really do. So let's look at a classic example of you've just split up in a relationship mm-hmm. and your friends are looking to reassure you and looking out to look after you and show them that they still love and care for you. So they will say phrases like, there's plenty more fish in the sea, don't worry, he wasn't good enough for you or she wasn't good enough for you. Um, there'll be other people, you're so much better than that. And they say all these things. But what they're not doing is acknowledging how you feel. They're not allowing you to acknowledge your emotions. We do it with, and I'll just give a couple of examples and I'll come back and show you a way that you can do it differently. Okay. We do it with our children as well. So, um, for example, if my 14-year-old has been to school and she comes back and she says to me, or I can see that she's upset and I'll be like, hey, Meg, what's up? Um, She might say, "Uh, one of the the cool girls at school belittled me in front of everybody and and told me I was ugly now as a parent our immediate reaction is to reassure them 
wrap them up in cotton wool and show them love and care. So we probably say something along the lines of just ignore them, they don't mean anything, they're just stupid, you're beautiful, I love you. And that, and again, move on from that conversation. But what we haven't done is we haven't recognised their emotion and we haven't recognised or allowed them to feel that way that they feel. And now I'll give you an extreme example, which is somebody standing on the wrong side of the railings on a bridge and they're talking to you and you go over and say, hey, I noticed you're standing here, is everything okay? And they start talking to you and one of the things they say is nobody cares about me and now suddenly because you want to wrap them up and reassure them and show them that the world is a caring place you'll probably say and i've done this myself and i've heard loads of negotiators say this um i care about you and then what you get immediately is a pushback from them to say how can you possibly care about me you don't even know me you know nothing about me so let's take all three of those examples and just change our response. So in this time when we respond, we're just going to respond from an emotional perspective. So in the first one where we have, you've just split up with your partner and you're talking to your friends, rather than saying things along the lines of, uh, there's plenty more fish in the sea, for example. What we might say instead is, sounds like you're having a terrible time at the minute. Yeah. Now what now what we've done is we've validated and valued them straight away because we've just been in their space. If we do the same with our kids, instead of saying, Oh, they're stupid, don't worry about it, you're beautiful, I love you, we'd do exactly the same and say something along the lines of Sounds like you've had a really tough day or it sounds like um you're embarrassed in front of your friends and then we just listen to them and then lastly in exactly the same way, rather than saying, I care about you we would just use that emotional language and say, it sounds like you're really lonely today. Okay. And and when you've done that in in that sort of situation where you've said it sounds like you're lonely, have they, has that had less pushback? Yes, huge amounts. Because what you do is you're just, you're not giving an opinion, you're not giving in a judgment, you're not trying to solve the problem for them, you're just allowing them to be them and to have their emotional space. And when we allow people to feel what they feel, we validate and value them and suddenly we're not telling them how they should live their lives or what they should do we're just being with them and we're just listening to them I think that is such good advice because like you said even though it comes from the most caring place when you say things like plenty more fish in the sea or don't worry about what they say because we love you it's I also think there's an element of unintentional selfishness there when we hear someone with a a problem or like you say they've had a bad day or something's happened we're uncomfortable with their feelings sometimes. So as much as we obviously don't like to see the person we love going through a bad day and we want them to feel better, and I think that comes through first, but Mm. I think it can be uncomfortable for whoever is listening to just be with that person's difficult emotions as well, would you say, maybe? Yeah, definitely, because it's not, again, it's not something that we're taught. It's um, not something we really do. You know, how often do do you reflect somebody else's emotions back to them? How often do we try to think about what emotion they might be going through? And the great thing about that emotional language is even if you get it wrong, they'll correct you. And they'll just say, no, I'm not frustrated. You know, somebody, if you're working with somebody and they seem really animated, you might say something like, oh, you, you seem really frustrated about that report that you're writing. They might, they might just say, change it and say, no, I'm actually angry. I'm angry because it's taking my time up or they haven't shown me how to do it properly. 
So they'll always correct you, but it still allows you to open up the conversation. Right. That's so, I I think it's, thank you for that advice, because it's something, I've had a couple of friends go through some really emotional things in the last few months. And I, I fall into that habit of, you want to take it away from them because you can see how much they're suffering. But again, that's still about what I want. I'm wanting to take it away. They might not want me to take it away. They might want to sit there and express and feel what they're feeling. So that's not coming from them that's still coming from me even when it has the best of intentions I think that's really really interesting thank you for helping me see it in that way (laughs) when it comes to personal relationships in our lives what three tips would you suggest in order to have constructive and positive communication in especially difficult or stressful situations difficult and stressful situations always come with emotions yes so that that's the key I think is recognizing that they're emotional so timing is a really good one So just because you want to talk about it right here, right now, doesn't necessarily mean it's the best time to talk about it. And certainly if you've consumed alcohol, you should never start talking about it. Definitely agree with that one. Yeah, that would be one of my top tips. So timing, you know, timing is a a top tip. If somebody is clearly exhausted or has got things going on in their minds, just think, think about your timing. Now, there's never a good time. I appreciate that. And you can wait forever but just just think about the the timing uh the second one is to be brave enough to say how you feel but courageous enough to park your feelings and listen to somebody yeah i love that that would be my my second tip and and listen from listen from a a perspective of open-mindedness which is really difficult when you're very emotional about something i you know i do people that are listening going "Mm, yeah but that's easy said than done it absolutely is easier said than done and which is why it takes self-reflection and awareness to be able to do that and the third one is you know that if you are having an emotional conversation that is a fear driven behavior so you talked about anxiety so you probably already know a bit about this that anxiety is a fear driven behavior Yes. And it generally comes, people generally, I have found, come through life from when they are in crisis or in emotional state, it's because there is a fear of a loss or a consequence. And that's often what makes the conversation difficult. We often don't want to say things because we might push the other person away or we're going to get an emotional backlash or we're not going to get the response that we want. There will be a consequence to that conversation. So before you have it, think about what the consequence is likely to happen happen and what fear is that causing in you what loss are you perceiving is going to happen I really like those tips thank you especially for if you are suffering if you ever have suffered with anxiety and even though now I'm in a state where more or less I feel I have a handle on it there are still conversations that can come up and it will catch you off guard and you think I can just like you say you can feel the fear building especially if it's a conversation you know that you need to have but those tips are really helpful and thank you so much for everything you've shared today I've actually learned a lot I found it really interesting where can we find you on social media and online if people would like to work with you I have a podcast called uh, the communication coach in fact if you google the communication coach you're likely to find me my uh, my name is Nikki perfect that is my real name as my dad always says to my mum he was born perfect he became it when she married him so there's not many people with my surname about so you can find me I'm or Nikki comms coach is sort of the handle that I have on social media so the communication coach or Nikki comms coach and you're likely to find me fairly quickly perfect well thank you so much for joining me it's my pleasure thank you for having me 